The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to start this episode by welcoming back Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. No complaints on my end. Glad to be back with you guys to talk about what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Doctor Who is in the house. Well, not literally, but who is in the house? Who else other than Lee Shackelford? Mr. Shackelford, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Just sort of um, before we started recording, I was giving a litany of my health problems. But, you know, when you when you put it all into one little package, I'm pretty good. I'm doing fine. Walking and talking and above ground, as they say. Well, I am glad that you're walking yeah. and talking and I'm glad both of you are walking and talking. Our recording schedule has been a little literally wibbly wobbly lately. <laughs> the last episode I listened to that we edited it feels like I just talked to you, but that was March, first of March, first week of March, when we recorded our top episodes from series one to eight. And this is almost Memorial Day, May, when we are recording this episode, but we've got episodes in the middle. So that's literally wibbly wobbly, timey-wimey. What a mess. But since we've talked, the three of us, For everyone listening, we've got some news coming up, so there is a big announcement that I was very, extremely happy about, and that announcement was... Murray Gold is returning to Doctor Who, and this is from our friends at blogtorwho.com. That's B-L-O-G-T-O-R-W-H-O.com. And they say that Gold originally joined Doctor Who in 2005 when the show was revived with Christopher Eccleston at the helm of the TARDIS. During his tenure, he revamped the theme tune and created iconic musical themes for the Doctors and his companions. He scored Doctor Who for over 12 years before leaving at the start of Chris Chibnall's reign as showrunner. So thoughts, and Clarence, I'm going to start with you. Thoughts, Murray Gold's returning. Again, thoughts. Oh man, I think you started with the wrong person because I think you guys care about the music a lot much more than I do, but I will say that the latest era, the Chibnall era, has lacked some of that feeling, might I say, that you get from uh, some of the earlier New Who stuff. It's just it's just not there. It just feels like a very different show. Uh, for me, I can even imagine some of the Chibnall slash Jodie Whittaker run with some of the Marigold music and some of the beats and the moments coming off as a lot more enduring to me so with that in mind you know to have one of the greats back scoring uh the the new the return of 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 some of our favorites in doctor who is going to be a lot of fun i just you know i think it's going to be a great shift back to the tone that made new what it is 
Okay. And I purposely chose you first. So that was not by accident because I knew you didn't have that fanaticism that I have <laughs> with Murray Gold's music. So I purposely chose you and, and I love the insight that you gave. So Lee, what did you think? Yeah, I have to agree with everything Clarence says. It's, um, and, and no shade on Segan Akinol either, if I'm saying his name right. I would like to experience their music in a different context, I think. But being asked to follow Murray Gold for me uh, was, uh, that was a big challenge. It, it's, it just means it's going to be hard on Segan because I just love Murray Gold's scoring so, so much. I think even people who are not um, always conscious of the dramatic music in a series like this, it's affecting you on a subconscious level. It's really supposed to. Uh, like one of the uh, the albums, the collections of his music that I, that I really love is uh, from uh, the second year, the, the first of the Tenth Doctor's year. And it just it calls back the, the special themes that he wrote for certain characters and uh, like his little suite for Cassandra. As soon as you hear it, you can visualize that character again and all the feelings that we felt about that character. And, you know, it's, that's his, that's his real gift is to, is to find a way of uh, creating a, um, a motif for characters um and and using those, weaving those in and out through the episode. It's just so, so lovely. It's one of the things we love most about John Williams. Most people don't, maybe don't realize it, you know, that there is a Force theme in the Star Wars movies, and there's a Princess Leia theme, and there's a Luke theme, and so on. By Empire, of course, there's a very recognizable Darth Vader theme. You know, so we, so we, we start to look forward to hearing those things. Uh, in Murray Gold's case, it was a piece that he calls, I Am the Doctor. And uh, I think when we heard that, we always knew uh, things were getting real. Yes, indeed. So what do you think that, you know, you said John Williams and Clarence, there's the gentleman, help me with the name, the guy that's the musical composer for the Star Trek franchise now. Jeff Russo. Yeah, Russo. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So you've got him and you've got Murray Gold. What do you think they do differently that sets their music apart from anyone else, that it makes their music so iconic? Is there a common denominator? What do you guys think? Clarence and I are waiting for each other. <laughs> what, 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 what's your thought about that, Clarence? Uh, common denominator. I, well, to me, it's something sp special about reverence to what started it especially when i think of uh jeff russo from the the star trek side of things with the new trek that came about with, with paramount plus i just heard him talk about the previous music and these composers and naming all their names and uh, talking about specific pieces and scores and talking about what movie this was attached to just to hear him talk about that made me love him as a creator even more <laughs> but you can tell it in just listening to his music that there was a certain amount of reverence for what came before him if you translate that over to doctor who i can i can say the same thing and that i think that's for me specifically that what was kind of missing in this last era it just it just felt different not to say that it was bad 
it just felt different. So it's a tricky thing where you have to try to take what came before and and add something to it, but it still has to, you know, somewhat feel like the original, sort of just like the shows have to do, quite honestly, the actual production of the show. So, yeah, I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but if you can capture that magic of some of the original, I think of some of the Star Wars stuff. You've had a lot of composers come in. What's the guy's name? Gorenson? I think I'm saying the the, the guy that did Mandalorian. That sounds totally different from any other Star Wars music, but somehow it captures the feel and it is kind of hard to explain that's a really good example because um what the mandalorian and boba fett music made me think of immediately when i heard them was the spaghetti westerns of the 60s and 70s yes which of course is what the mandalorian is yeah you know that's Ludwig gorison the guy that did mandalorian there you go but um but yeah it we it also touches on those uh those deep horns and lush strings things that John Williams has taught us are what makes it a Star Wars movie. So <laughs> he, he can do that as well. But when we're out on the desert, yeah, we almost think it's, we're going to hear the loon call from the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and he's doing that on purpose and I, and I love it. Yeah. I, I'm so mm. glad you mentioned um, uh, strange new worlds because the, Jeff Russo is given that theme uh, as a job and is being told, this is Star Trek before there was Star Trek, right? This is Captain Pike. Um, we're going to have James T. Kirk as a minor character in this show. So what he's done is almost the original series theme, but with a bigger orchestra, and it goes melodically in a slightly different direction. But it's still instantly recognizable. So so mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right, Clarence. He was tasked with, with making it very familiar, but also very new, and he struck that balance. Yeah. His music for... Picard just sometimes I was just my jaw was dropping because he was interweaving things not only not only from the the other TV series that it referenced but from the movies sometimes we were well like we spoilers for Picard we (laughs) when we first saw Worf we got the Klingon music from uh, Star Trek uh, the motion picture and (laughs) um you know that's Leonard Rosamond right no yeah um Mm -hmm. so he's he's touching he's quoting a lot of other uh Artist. Oh, we saw Tuvok, and just for a minute, we had the Voyager theme back there. Just, yes, <laughs> yes. And without it being, or when Seven of Nine is talking yes. about Voyager, yeah. and you hear the yeah. music, and see, and see that right there is what I'm talking about—that emotional bond that it gives you because hearing the, seeing a character, but also mm. hearing the music, putting those two together, create that emotional response, and I think. This is, again, no um, dig at Aganola's music, but I think his music paired with what was on screen just didn't meet the gold standard, literally, that we had uh, gotten used to. The interesting thing about Murray Gold, before his Doctor Who, I really didn't care about scores. I mean, yes, there was the Star Wars themes. And yes, I did like some theme songs, but I never purchased a soundtrack for the music. I always would purchase the soundtrack because there was a song in the soundtrack that you couldn't get back in the day without getting the soundtrack. Yeah. That for me, I'm just like head over heels. Murray Gold is returning because that means 
that in the 60th and in the 14th or series and whatever, but especially in the 60th, you can go back and play Donna's theme. You can go back and play Wilf's That's theme. True. All of that stuff you can he can certainly quote himself into that. Yeah. And I assume this means a new title sequence as well. I mean, I, I, I'm on record here as not being a fan of uh, <laughs> of 13's poor yeah, pulse, uh, of, of that yeah. thing, which seemed to me not like homage to the original theme as a deconstruction of it. it it's, it's, it's like the visually and musically that they literally took that original you know, the 1963 theme, or I guess 1968, say, and just take it apart and sort of, you know, present the pieces as something new. But that's, and that's a legitimate artistic expression. But what Murray Gold did was reinvent the theme over and over again so that he did that, that lovely Jeff Russo trick of making it familiar, but also making it new. And the graphics team did mm -hmm. that again and again with the, with the opening titles as well. And yeah, I just never felt like, well, that's not the Doctor Who theme until, until uh, Jodie Whittaker's time, alas. Now I will, I will say this about uh, Agonola's music: the music that was played during the regeneration, and it's not because who she <laughs> regenerated into, but just that music, the sweepingness of it. And I don't mm. know if that's the right word to use, but the the brav bravadio yeah. the. Uh, the you know all of that from that last score was, was immensely gorgeous. beautiful i thought it was gorgeous i love i actually mm -hmm. love hearing it but it um the rest of it to me was not it just didn't resonate no. with me no that's but what does resonate with me is the ability to say to you guys and for everyone listening if you have not seen the name of the three specials or any publicity pictures from series 14, put us on pause, go out, listen to whatever you want to listen to, because I don't know why I said listen, then come back because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? Well, spoilers. And I killed Sparky too. Alrighty, we are back in Lee Shackelford. Before we continue, if we have someone listening for the very first time, what do you always like to say? Telling welcome people? aboard, and we know you've got other things you could be doing, so we appreciate you spending your time with us. Indeed, indeed. And Clarence Brown, if we have someone listening for the very first time and would like to subscribe, what would you like to tell them? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for supporting the show just by listening right now. So, and if you want to subscribe, you can do that definitely on whatever platform you're currently listening on. And while you're there, please leave a review and also tell a friend. And if you have an idea for us to talk about, send that to discussingwho at gmail.com or hit us up at discussingwho on any and all social media. We have the names of the three specials. We do not have dates of the three specials yet, but we do have names. So let's take them one by one. I want to start with the First one, initial thoughts and impressions. Lee, I'm going to start with you. The Star Beast. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I had my head in the pictures we've seen from uh, Series 14. So I, those those titles uh, didn't um, jog anything in my memory. And it's because I don't read the comics. 
But then as soon as I started reading other people's comments about it, they were saying, wow, they are really digging into the ancillary material for this. It's, it's like um, the way we've now canonized uh, characters from uh, Big Finish, that now we're bringing up uh, stories and characters from the comics. And uh, uh, folks are pretty excited about that. Uh, no thoughts at all. <laughs> I have no idea what's coming up. I know that's really not what we're here to do, but the Star Beast. Mm. Not a clue. Yeah. Not or, a clue. or didn't we do that already with the Eleventh Doctor's first outing with Amy? Do, do we, we had a star beast, didn't we? We had a patient zero or patient. Oh, I, I mean the, uh, the the star whale. We, the uh, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we the star whale. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the yes. beast below. Yeah. So technically, yeah, it would so be a star beast out in space. Yeah. The beast below. So I, without going any spoilers here. For starters, this is not a spoiler. This is episode is directed by Rachel yeah. Talalay, written by Russell T. Davies, and Rachel has directed some of my favorite episodes. She's directed uh, The Doctor Falls, which I know we are all mm -hmm. big fans of. She's directed Twice Upon a Time and several, several more, but those are the two that come to my mind immediately that she has directed. The Star Beast and a character called Beep the Meep were first introduced in a comic book called Doctor Who Weekly, published in the UK in February. This particular episode or issue was number 19, published date February 1980. And if you've seen the trailer of the Yoda, baby Yoda looking character, that's Beep the Meep. Uh, no, Baby Yoda is much, much cuter. Uh, sweet, precious Baby Yoda. You will not compare him to this thing. <laughs> and, and his name well, is I will Grover. say, I'm not going to compare. <laughs> and his name is Grogu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will not compare Grogu to Beep the Meep right. by any means. I yeah. That's all I will say. He He's is good. not Beep, Beep is the Meep. Beep is a nasty yeah. you-know-what. So... But, but 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 so cuddle. And let me so I, so I did some googling of the star beast, and it comes up as on Wikipedia, as a 1954 science fiction novel by Robert A. Heinlein, Heinlein yeah. about a high school senior who discovers that his extraterrestrial pet is more than it appears to be. Yeah, mm. I love the Heinlein juveniles. I wish that he had written more of those. That's that's one of a whole series. Like, um, have space it will travel. And one that um, would have to seem familiar to us as Star Trek fans, where um, a family has uh, takes aboard a little pet and it starts to reproduce and breed and grow. And soon they're oh, hip deep yeah. in them. Yeah. <laughs> and something that occurred to David Gerald as he was preparing his script and, and or as it was going before the camera. And he, he wrote to Heinlein, you know, fan letter. Hey, you know, always been a big fan. Also, um... I think I may have accidentally stolen the flat cats from uh, from your book. And he got a nice letter from Heinlein back saying, hey, uh, you know, everybody does it. You know, these things are in our subconscious. So um, and they and they were friends for the, you know, uh, the rest of Heinlein's life. So, uh, yeah, That's happy great. story there. Yeah. So I, the title is not new. And people in the UK uh, who read uh, Doctor Who Weekly have known about Beep the Meep for 43 years. Uh, whereas we're over here going, what? 
So I think it's really interesting. And this is another thing that RTD does really well, which is tying in outward media into mm -hmm. the main canon, which, you know, is something you guys said earlier, because there is a lead in comic strip that's in Doctor Who magazine between the power of the doctor and the first of these specials that tell, and I've not read it, but it tells the first couple of minutes or first couple of hours of the 14th doctor's existence. And according to something, a headline I saw this week, yay, the sonic screwdriver has been destroyed somehow. So New Sonic, uh, hopefully coming up. Yes, yay! Can I ask you guys a quick question? <laughs> sure. Does having Tenet come back and do these specials do Shooty a bit of a disservice? I I, I have mm. felt that way. I I really have. That it's sort of like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're the Doctor now. Okay, hooray! But we've got something big and important to do right now, so we're going to get David Tennant. Yeah. And I know they don't mean it that way, but gee whiz mm. very very valid point but i don't think shooty is not involved in the 60s oh no no yeah but these three episodes though i know I'm, I'm saying i don't think that he is not not involved Me meaning i think that he is is maybe involved or maybe not in the first special but maybe in the second and the third, he may be just as involved as This may David be Tennant. rumor, but one of the things I read is that Wild Blue Yonder deals a lot with the, the 14th Doctor, or 15th, whatever he is. Well, and I also have read uh, about the Wild Blue Yonder, which is the second one, as you just said. It not, We've not seen anything. They have no, no nothing, no publicity images, no whatever come from... Uh, the second one, and according to RTD, it has scenes that will blow people's mind, as you know, exactly. Promoter will say. <laughs> we always but, say that, but yeah. you know, I just, yeah. I, 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 I'm with you, Clarence. Though it's just like, I don't know what what came to my mind was. Let's have a Black History Month. Let's make it the <laughs> shortest month. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, I okay. It's, it just feels like. You're going to be the new doctor when we get around to it. Okay. I'll just, I'll just sit over here then. I, I don't, I don't feel like that's still, I mean, nobody has any malice in their heart. I don't, I, I don't oh, think no. anybody's doing that, but it's just, that is sort of how it's off and it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're doing it for, for, to bring the fandom yes. back into that's the soul right. that is left. But again, it feels like, oh, we announced a new doctor. Oh, wait a little yeah. bit, you know, you know. <laughs> Show you one of your fan favorites yeah. for a little while, and then we're gonna bring him in. I, I hope that they, I hope prime. they presented it to Shooty that way. They said, "Here's the plan. We're gonna, we're gonna do this whim wham, and then you'll be the doctor, okay? And not the other way around." And you know what? I may be totally wrong, and I may just be over romanticizing the whole R two D return because I'm just, you know, on board with it. But I, I don't think that they would have done that. I think it was he knew from the beginning. You're really the 15th. We're going to tell people you're the 14th. We're going to surprise everybody. And then you and Tennant are going to do the sixth, you know, because you, you know, you've got him saying, what yes. the hell is going on here? <laughs> right. And, and yeah, and, and, and the, it feels like they're, they're sort of uh, echoing uh, maybe what fans are saying. We did see the publicity photo or just a candidate that somebody shot 
of him going into the studio in Cardiff, and they have painted on that wall at the entrance this enormous mosaic, you know, this, or, or it's not a mosaic. Um, anyway, this, this giant painting of the new logo and the TARDIS and everything and him. So when you walk in, you are greeted with Judy's face as the doctor. That, that's got to go a long way. Honestly, if I mm. were in his shoes, I think I would actually like having David Tennant lead the 60th because then that event is not on my shoulders. That is a really good you know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying if I was the actor, if I were him, I might be sitting here going, you know what? Damn, I'm glad that it's not me leading. Right. You know, I get everybody's happy. Everybody sees me. And then I've got the series on my own. I don't have to worry about restoring yes. the glory, right. if you want to put it that way. But but doesn't it offer a little bit more pressure for him? If this has come back, then it's just the best thing since sliced bread. Everybody loves it. And then we get into the shooty episodes and it was like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing That's kind of what I was thinking was I, I think I'd rather be the guy who was in the 60th, <laughs> but yeah, we, sh we shall see. I may be, again, I may be totally wrong, but I, I, I just have this feeling that series 14 is going to like be awesome. You know, that we're going to go away with series 14 and me saying, you know what? I like series four. You know what? I like series 10. I really like series 14. Well, That's what I'm your mouth to God's ears. So just based on the photos but, we've seen, and we've seen nothing but, but set photos. Third one, I'm wondering if this is the true <laughs> name or if this is something else. But the giggle. Do, do we even say what the second one was? Wild oh, Blue yeah. Yonder. The second one is called The Wild Blue Yonder. Yes. Third one is The Giggle. Yep. The Which Hulk's... could be about, um, uh, oh, for God's sake. I'm trying to talk about the actor. Neil Patrick Harris. Thank you. All I could think of is he's got three names like an assassin. Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, although, I don't know, Giggle. I, but, you know, I remember thinking that when I saw uh, the title, The Doctor Dances. I thought. That's not that's a that's a typo. That's not what that's really called, and and it's turned out to be important to the story. You know, that that is what it's about. Um, so I don't know the giggle. Why not? Uh, <laughs> we shall see. The only thing that kind of just seems weird to me is you don't have a bombastic title for any of the sixtieth episodes, other than maybe mm. the Star Beast, I guess. But, you know, I'm like expecting something like the day of the doctor yeah. two or well, something. Maybe, maybe well, we're deliberately uh, veering away from some of that because um, it, it does get old. You know, I, I always smile at the, uh, the, some of the, uh, the fourth doctor adventures, third and fourth doctors, because it's like they wanted to call it the ambassadors, you know? Well, that's boring. Okay. They're the ambassadors of death, you know? Yeah, exactly. It has to be the mind of evil. Yeah. And that, well, these, these are all, you know, they're deliberately, you know, B movie, you know, drive in theater, horror movie titles. Um, and, and I get that that was a, that was a theme, but yeah, after a while you start saying, I, I don't know, this episode is called the biggest, scariest thing ever. Okay. What, what is it really? <laughs> But, but does the giggle directly directly reflect on what who they're saying um, Neil Patrick Harris's character is going to be? 
Well, I said Maybe. that, but in the trailer or in the teasers we've seen, he's not, he doesn't giggle. <laughs> no, but but he is happy with that worldwide yeah. premiere. And, you know, the maybe this is, maybe everything that's, the only thing I can come up with story-wise is everything that's happening to the Doctor in these first couple of episodes have all been orchestrated by Neil Patrick Harris's character, whether he's the Celestial Tory Maker, whether he's someone else, and this is all a mm -hmm. big joke yeah. on the Doctor, the hence the giggle. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good theory because when when I said that to start with, I I was thinking of uh, the Joker or the Riddler, and um, yeah, yeah, why not? What what if, what if he's just cruel enough to since David Tennant's character did not want to go, <laughs> just cruel enough to bring him back to King. Mm. Mm -hmm. And maybe and so, mm -hmm. or maybe his giggle is bringing that, you know, let's be a little bit m more evil there or get, you know, crank it up a notch. Not only are you bringing him back to kill him again, but you're bringing him back and possibly putting oh. a former companion yeah, in Wolf, danger yeah. that you have to intervene. Yeah. Yes. Cause here's what I think. I think Donna's daughter is going to find beep the meep and think it's like, oh, cuddly little something, take it home. And that's how the whole Donna uh, trigger. doctor huh. trigger happens. Yeah. That's, Makes sense. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting theory. Interesting theory is photos. We've seen some official photos and clearance. I want to bring the first one to you. We've seen two period pieces. The first one that we saw is of the 15th Doctor and Ruby, and they are set, I would say, late 60s, maybe early 70s. Thoughts on their costuming? I think the costume themselves are pretty cool and pretty period appropriate. I have other problems that have nothing to do with the costume itself. Maybe some of how the styling of the person or the actors uh, feels a little weird. Explain. Well, like, well, let me ask you this before I go further to try to explain. Has there been cases where a doctor has changed the style of said hair when going to a certain period? I'm going to say yes. Explain. Okay. Lee, yeah, do you back me up yeah, on that? Or I'm what trying do you to think? think of an exception, so yeah. Okay. In the episode, I'm not sure. I think... It's the Idiot's Lantern. It's the episode where Tien and Rose are back in that... It's 1953. Uh, 1953, yes. And it's uh, they're on the motorbike, and he's got his hair slicked back a la Elvis C. James mm -hmm. Dean kind of look. It's still, you know, his 10th Doctor, but he's got it, you know, like I said, slicked back. Um, yes, I'm looking at pictures now. So, so that would be one one example. Another example would be the time of the Doctor when the eleventh um, Doctor was wearing a wig because he pulled off his wig and he was bald. Eh, well, I don't think that Techni applies, technically yeah. that wouldn't count, but it, but 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 it but, it, it technically the, doesn't count. But yeah. technically, but, but the slick back hair is a more uh, solid example. Yeah, but. <laughs> But yeah, for the most part, yeah, the doctor just shows up and says, I know I look like a wild anachronism and I don't care. I'm the doctor. And uh, yeah. And usually it's the companions that are making the change to the That's period. right. For yeah. The, 
More so. Yeah. So do we want to tell people what we're talking about? What describe the picture for us, Cal? <laughs> okay. Uh she is wearing a typical black and white dress. Her hair is pulled back. He, on the other hand, whereas other pictures we've seen him has shorter hair, but it looks like he he has had extending extenuous <laughs> hair growth, spontaneous hair growth, I should say, and has a well rounded afro. I, 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 I can see it being played for jokes, you know, like, oh, let me do this real quick since we're going here. And then all of a sudden he has an afro. It might be funny. So I, I'm, I'm not going to knock it until I see it. But I honestly, when I first saw the picture, I was like, really? Is this what we're <laughs> <Yeah>. doing? <laughs> to pair on what you're saying, he's not walking around in the typical same outfit in every scene. For instance, in the next picture we see, I would say are set probably in the 1700s. Guys, disagree with me if you disagree, but you know the period piece is different. The clothes are different, and once again, his hair is completely different. I've seen this picture. Yeah. So this one, what? Uh, Lee, yeah. Do you know the and one it, I'm talking about? Looks, uh... Oh, it's terrible! It's <laughs> terrible! Oh my god! Really? Yeah. I'm through. I'm not watching this series. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, guys. I'll see, <laughs> I'll see the picture. But yeah, it looks like we're in revolutionary France again. Yeah, so, yeah. Good point. I'm going to go back and thought <laughs> maybe it's going to be hairstyles are cool. It's going to be slow. That's that's what I was thinking. Was wouldn't that be interesting if this is part of his character that he? I mean, I, I, he has swag. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Well, what's this, what would be wrong with him saying, you know what, everywhere I've always go, why do you all always get to, yeah. get to change clothes? Why can't yeah. I do that yeah, too? I mean, uh, and they make it in part of the story. Yeah. We, we did this with Clara over and over again. You know, the, the doctor would be Victorian by putting on a, a stovepipe hat, but otherwise he's wearing the same costume. And then they're out there with Robin Hood and his merry man, and she dresses like Maid Marian. And he's still wearing the same outfit as always, you know. He's just like, yeah, yeah. We, we've seen what his wardrobe looks like. But we, we know that the stuff is in there. So, yeah, wouldn't that be interesting if this this doctor is like, um, well, here we are in 18th century France. I'd better find my 18th century France gear. Now, one thing that I find interesting looking at these two pictures, it looks like he has one common denominator that he keeps which are there are rings on his right hand that are consistent in both pictures. So it seems like whatever, you know, period piece that they're going to, the rings are consistent, which I kind of like that. I had not noticed that. So gentlemen, literally, this is all that I had. I just wanted to get together hey. and talk, A, about the news of Murray Gold returning, because A, <laughs> I'm happy, or B, I'm happy, and C... I just like talking to you guys, especially about Doctor Who. But my question before we go is, do either of you have anything else you want to bring up before we wrap? Doctor Who-wise? Sure. Oh. <laughs> okay. I really don't. I, I'm enjoying these little these little sneak peeks at what's coming in the fall. And um, I'm just hoping they're not going to back the truck up on us later. You know, sometimes I feel like press for the show has uh, has overwhelmed its ability to surprise us. And uh, RTD was, I think, was always 
uh, more canny about that when he was the showrunner. So I'm hoping that he'll he'll still be able to do that. So n- now that the big mouse is involved. <laughs> and I'll just add that uh, Millie Gibson and Judy Gotwood, they, they look great together. I mean, even in these period pieces, which I've questioned, they look great together. So, I mean, I, I think they're already showing a lot of chemistry just from the, yeah. just from the photos. Yeah. So I hope that translates to a lot. That's action. a great point. Yeah. I, I, I mm. hope they're just having fun. I just, cause it, 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 it comes across they on screen seem to be. Yeah. And I was saying, I was saying this the other day, I, or maybe it was today or sometimes at some point in the past, I was saying this, you know, if I'm looking at RTD and I'm coming back in for you know, RTD V2, I'm going to be very calculated in what I'm doing. So that's maybe why I'm so sure that this is going to be awesome is because you've got a lot riding on this as, you know, I think if he just fumbles and it's horrible, he's not going to be remembered per se as much as the guy who brought Dr. Who back in 2005. He would be remembered as the guy who effed up Doctor Who in 2023. I, I, I just don't think that it's going to be great. And I hope it's Regardless, we're all going to be here talking about it. And for everyone listening, what do you think? Do you like the names of the titles? Do you have any questions about the names of the titles? Do you like that Murray Gold is back? Or do you wish that it was someone else? Let us know. Again, like Clarence said, you can reach out to us at Discussing Who on all social media. and discussing who at gmail.com so as always gentlemen it was a pleasure and for everyone listening we will be back next time